What's up guys, Will from RevolutionaryLifestyleDesign.com Coming to you today for the first part of my four-part series on sales called The Definitive Guide to Sales. This one is the general industry overview of sales as a whole. And this is written from the perspective of a guy who spent almost a decade in, in corporate sales and learn the skills that are extremely necessary in my day-to-day life. However, there is a big dark side to sales, and I'm not a sales trainer, so I don't have to lie to you about it. I can tell you honestly what life is like in sales, what's expected of you, because the average sales trainer is trying to sell you a product. My products right now are strictly about women. I'm not selling any type of sales product so that I can be completely honest because our interests are aligned here. In my experience, everything in life is sales. From companies selling you products to your girlfriend selling you on marriage, you are selling and being sold every minute of the day. And that is the nature of life. Being a professional salesman is... A much different ball game and I'm not gonna lie to you and tell you that I liked being in sales I hated I hated being in sales I hated every minute you know I love the fact that I don't have to make a cold call anymore I found cold calls degrading I I had plenty of rude clients to deal with sales meetings where your boss is breathing down your neck to hit your targets I hated it all and hate isn't even a strong enough word I fucking loathed being a corporate salesman. I really did. But despite how much I hated it, I've learned I learned so much from, you know, close to a decade in hard-nosed financial sales and advertising. And at the end of the day, those skills are invaluable in my day-to-day life. My sales skills that I learned are 10 times as as valuable as all the things I learned in school combined. And at the end of the day, I came out of the meat grinder tougher, more skilled, and, you know, with a giant wad of cash to fund my new life, okay? Sales was my exit plan from the world of wage slavery. And at the end of the day, when it comes to your mission, and I'm, you know, I harp on you guys all the time about having a mission, you're going to need capital to be able to get that going and and you are going to need to know how to sell the biggest the the most important thing in any business if you're going to be if you're planning to be a business owner is knowing how to sell okay i'm selling you guys all the time in every single article that i write okay in every single article that i write and every audio and video that i do i'm taking a problem that you have and i'm selling you on what the solution is and in turn selling you on myself being an authority on health, wealth, and relationships, and in turn, hopefully, that will sell you on buying one of my products. That is how my entire business operates, and it sales from top to bottom, okay? And a lot of that I learned from professional sales. I learned how to write con- you know, convincing emails. I learned how, how to convince people over the phone, and so much of that carries over to my not just my business life but selling women on 
you know, having a relationship with me, selling guys on friendships, you know, everything, every single area. But when it comes to your mission, you are going to need capital. You're going to need money. And the more money you have to spend on your business, the higher chances of success you're going to have in owning that business. So sales is one of the rare industries where a guy under 30 can get his hands on the cash that he needs to buy his freedom. A good salesman can make over 200 grand per year. And even a half decent salesman should be making 70 grand. There's very few industries that give non-specialists that kind of pay, especially young guys. Usually 200 grand, that's, that's the kind of money you make in your mid 40s when you when you've worked 25 years and, and moved your way up into you know higher middle management or upper management for a 25 year old guy who's not you know a programming genius and is an employee that that is very unlikely to be able to make that money outside of sales so it was no coincidence that I chose uh, sales as the place for me because I was looking for, you know, at that time I wasn't able to own my own business, but I would I was looking to make as much money as possible, and you should be too, okay? You can't just start a business on a whim. You need cash and you need money for your runway to pay your expenses in, in the lean months. So this is very important. And you're going to hear mixed information about sales, but... The reason I'm, I'm doing this four-part series is because I want you to be able to take away the skills that I was able to take away, but I also want you to be able to understand what sales is really like and that you shouldn't be in that industry forever, okay? If you're planning to go into sales or you're already there, I want you to look at your time in sales as business school for hustlers. Okay, working in sales is way, way, way more. You'll learn way more than you would in business school. And if, if, you, if you are an entrepreneur, sales is your university, okay? Entrepreneurship, business ownership is 90% sales. So this is, look at it as your university. Learn how to close, learn how to service your customers. And most importantly, you need to learn how to toughen up in the face of stress and rejection, Okay, because business ownership is hard. This is my fifth fucking business. I, I mean, I'm going to eventually write an article on all the businesses that I failed at. And you guys are going to be blown away at how many mistakes I made and how many, how many fuck ups there are and, and, and what it really takes to get a business off the ground. But so much of that mental toughness comes with the fact that I, you know, for close to a decade, I'm doing 70 to 100 cold calls a day you know, being rejected all the time to the point where you just don't give a fuck anymore, right? You just don't care about rejection. You don't, you don't sweat it. You know, when I'm pitching, when I'm pitching a CEO of a billion dollar company on his way to the washroom at a fucking conference, going up to some 19 year old secretary on the street is nothing compared to that. Okay. So every facet of your life, you know, you toughen up, but don't do what I did and don't give the corporate world the, the, the majority of your 20s. Grind out a few years, hoard your money, get the fuck out and put it into your own business and then take those skills that you learned and go out on your own and do it, okay? If, you, if you're selling real estate for a company, do that for two, three years and then go out on your own.
right? Because when you can sell, you can do you can do anything. You can do any business. So, in this four-part guide, I'm going to break down the the game, so to speak, from an industry overview in this article. And in part two, I'm gonna do what to expect from life in sales. Part three is gonna be how to sell. And finally, part four is gonna be how to service your customers. I would highly suggest that you read the articles along with this because overall, this is you know a, pretty much a 20,000 word guide. This could be, you, you know, you could look at this as a book on sales. So if you're really serious about getting into sales, you might want to go over the articles as well and, and take some notes and really study this because there's, there's a lot of information here and I can only cover um, so much in the audios and, and videos here. So here we go. What sales really is, okay? Sales is manipulation. Hands down, no question, no exceptions. A great salesman is a great manipulator, okay? That is the reality. The dictionary definition of manipulation is this, to change by artful or unfair means so as to serve one's purposes. But I would take it one step further and I would say that all communication is manipulation. Every single thing that you do and you say, you're trying to get a desired result. Even if it's just uh, asking the checkout girl about how her day is, you're trying to brighten her mood and in turn, having that effect on her will brighten your mood, okay? Every little thing that you do is designed to try and make yourself happy. And you're trying to get a result with everything you do. 90% of it's going to be unconscious. You're not going to realize you're doing it, but you are always manipulating the, sit, the situation. Now, I'm not saying you're using unfair means, but you are certainly using artful means whenever you are trying to get something that you want. Everything you communicate to people is to serve your purposes and how artful and how unfair you are depends on your level of skill and your ethics. Even when you're helping others, it's only because it makes you happy, okay? So everyone is manipulative. Manipulative. A good salesman is just better at it. A good salesman is a professional manipulator, okay? That's what it is. And if that troubles your inner nice guy, that's just too bad because... In any business you're gonna be in, that's what you're doing, okay? I'm manipulating you right now as we speak. I'm selling you on buying into my authority as a personal development uh, expert, so to speak. And I'm selling you on my insights on sales, okay? And I'm selling you in every single article that I do. And every time you hear my voice, I'm selling you on something, all right? Now, that doesn't mean that I'm lying to you. What it means is that I'm trying to convince you of something. And in fact, I've built a business out of not lying to people because in the personal development community, there is so much absolute generic garbage that it was my feeling that guys would welcome someone who would speak the truth. And so far, it's working pretty well. Okay. That's why I can be honest with you and tell you that sales and manipulation because I'm not trying to sell you on, I'm not trying to sell you on myself as a sales trainer. I don't have any product that is based on teaching you how great and how fun sales is. Working in sales is fucking hard, guys, and no one likes it. And sales training is nothing but ha learning how to manipulate others 
and how to lie effectively, okay? It is school for sociopaths. Now, everyone lies, but, you know, the average person is, is an amateur and, and salesmen are professionals. Now, on my site, I really have to watch myself and make sure that I'm being honest because when, when I'm working in corporate sales, I was not honest with my clients. I was not allowed to be honest. In advertising, I was expected to inflate our subscription numbers by 30%. And if my boss overheard me saying what the real subscription numbers were, he would take me into the back room and um, lecture me and tell me how that's, that is not acceptable, okay? And this is commonplace in, in almost every sales floor. Everyone is lying to some extent to your client. With RLD, I, I try and be as honest as possible because I, I fucking hated having to do that. And I love the fact that I can, on my how to get laid on Tinder sales page, I can say that if you are overweight or if you're an Asian or Indian guy, you probably shouldn't buy this book because it's not going to work for you. If I was in corporate sales, I could never, ever say something like that because lying is part of the training and it's part of what they expect from you, okay? And that's something that your boss and sales trainers aren't going to tell you because they're selling you, all right? All the objection management, all the inflection training, all the closing pressure you learn is not to service your clients better, okay? It's to make their money yours. That's all you're there for. All you're there for is to get as much money out of your clients as possible, all right? That's how every sales floor is run. Every company in the world, I promise you that. Now, manipulation on its own isn't going to get you paid. What gets you paid is solving a problem. And like everyone else, your potential client will want the best product for the best price to solve his problem. Your job as a salesman is to manipulate your client into thinking that you have the best product for the best price. If Whether you actually do is just a bonus, okay? That's a bonus. Because if you're number one in your industry, you probably have the best product and the best price. But if you're number three, you don't. So you, gotta, you, you have to convince him somehow that you do, right? And usually it involves... Bending the truth or outright lying because you're not the best, right? You don't have the best product. If you had the best product, you'd be number one, all right? If you're number one, then you can be honest and you can tell them the stats. But if you're, if you're number two and three, how could you possibly say that you have the best product? And, and it's usually not the best price. So once you've got interest, Getting someone to buy from you is really just a matter of overcoming their objections, which are only about two things, trust and money. Trust that you can solve their problem and whether that whether your price is worth having that problem solved. How ethical you are in solving your client's problems is up to you. But telling the truth to your clients is a luxury and it will cost you more money. It is a luxury for me to tell guys not to buy my Tinder book. But you know what? I might lose you know, a couple sales a week, but I feel, but I, but the luxury is I don't have to feel guilty. Okay. When you're, when you're sneaking around and you're, and you're always trying not to get caught by clients, you don't feel good about yourself. Now I, cause I own my own thing. I have the luxury of not having to feel guilty because I, I, I can be 100% honest and 100% legit. And, it, and that to me is worth the money lost from, you know, 
bullshitting on a sales page. And I'm not going to preach to you guys about, you know, what a, what a fucking angel I am. You know, when, when I was in sales, I, I was not an angel, okay? But what I'm going to tell you this is... you. Okay, so now I'm going to break down for you the, um, the sales job environments, okay? So first off, you've got the boiler room slash call center. This is, a, this is the lowest level of sales. You're going to be expected to do like two to 300, maybe even 400 calls per day, depending on how brutal they are. Uh, two to three hours per day on the phone. You're not going to have to do outside sales. And all they care about is you hitting your numbers. The perks, absolutely none. The rundown is the call centers are usually run by uh, mid-sized to large company, companies uh, operating legally or are de- a department within a large company. Most companies use call centers as a low-level sales force to sell low-margin, short sales cycle, shitty products in large volume. I, I view call centers as like a giant zombie army as opposed to a team of professionals. You know, they're the guys who you see standing outside of the building, you know, smoking cigarettes every 10 minutes because their jobs are so shitty. And just, you know, pick, pick kids from a poor neighborhood, make them read off a script, whip their backs to, to make three, 400 cold calls a day. You know, it's like the modern day uh, slave, you know, factory, the modern day f- factory workers. And I've worked in call centers. They're fucking horrible. You know, the culture is, is horrendous. It's, if sometimes it's an illegal or highly unethical activities going on with the exception of call centers run by large companies. You know, I worked for one in Montreal when I was going to school there and they were selling like, it was legal, but you know, you were selling credit cards to people in America who couldn't get credit with interest rates of like, I had 50, 60, 70, like like horrendous interest rates and I couldn't do it for more than a day or two. Dress code is usually casual or at best, it's like half-ass business casual. So you'll see a lot of the times these places make make guys wear business casual. So you see these like poor kids in, in giant baggy khakis and and button-down shirts that don't fit right. You know, half of it hanging out of the bottom of their pants. You know, the quality of workers is dropouts, kids from poor neighborhoods, new immigrants. You know, the lowest of the low. And the, the call center managers are you know, a special type of human garbage. In in my experience, most of the time these guys resort to fear and intimidation. Uh, you know, I've seen guys yell at their staff on the floor, you know, tr- treating people like they're garbage basically. And you are a number and, and you're not expected to stay there very long. It is not a nice place to work. Um, but I can tell you this from firsthand experience, the... The, the call center is the best training ground for a salesman, okay? Because it is the fastest way to toughen up mentally. If you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. And a lot of times, making it in a call center is harder than corporate sales. You work harder, it's shittier, and you make less, but it is actually a harder job, okay? It is a harder job than most people have working in a call center. It is a very fucking hard job, but if you can get through that, and you can succeed there. You can succeed in any type of sales because you're going to have that mental toughness. If you're, 
if you're a young guy and you're a poor guy and you're looking to, to make it in the big city, a lot of the time the call center is going to be the only place you can work. You know, if you can, you can get a job quick there and you can make 70 grand. But I'm telling you, if, if that's what you need to do, then do it. And just don't stick around too long. Okay, but, but you, can make, you can make money there and it will toughen you the fuck up real quick. Number two, the SME, small to medium-sized enterprise. So this is like a smaller mid-sized business. You're looking at 10 to 70 calls per day for inside sales, you know, five to 10 meetings a week for outside sales. Um, looking at about one to two hours on the phone. You've got a potential for travel and you're expected to hit your numbers like all sales jobs are. Perks are you might have a car allowance, you might have a company car, you might have a company phone, not guaranteed. Uh, and if you do have to travel, you will be, um, you will have your travel expenses paid for. The rundown in general is your earning potential will be a lot less than with a large company. So what the small to mid-sized enterprise is going to do is going to sell you on the potential to move up the ranks quickly. This is usually garbage though. Okay, you're usually not going to move up. It, that's just the dream they're selling you. Usually positions are solidified and it just looks like it's open, but it you're not going to move up any faster than you would at a large company. And a lot of the times, many small to mid-sized companies operate month to month. They're trying to make payroll every single month, so they always have to worry about that and they will actually be harder on underperforming salesmen and put more pressure on you than large companies. Large companies don't have to worry about payroll. They don't have to worry about any of that. And the guy who's managing you is very far removed from the, the owner and the shareholders. Whereas in a small to mid-sized company, you could be working directly under the owner or under the guy who reports directly to the owner. So he's gonna, they're going to be watching you like a fucking hawk. You can't hide like you could in, in a large company where you know the guy who's managing you, it's, it's not his money. So he's, gonna be, he's not going to have to be as hard on you. The culture is, um, you know, it varies, okay? Usually, though, it's less uptight than a large corporation. Sometimes you can luck out and, and have like a fun all-guy culture, especially, especially if you're in a branch environment where there's no HR staff. But many times you're going to be working face-to-face with the owner who's got a vested interest in you working hard and is usually going to walk by your desk a few times a day to hover over you. That's, that's the reality. The SMEs are the most variable types of sales environments, and sometimes they'll be laid back, but sometimes they'll be a lot harder and higher pressure than, than large corporations. The you know Working at an SME is not necessarily bad, but I would choose a large corporation 10 times out of 10 because it is overall a better environment for the salesman, and I'm going to break it down for you here. So this is what a large company looks like. You've got... Call volumes a lot of the time aren't going to be measured. Your call times aren't going to be measured. It's usually an outside sales job or a hybrid sales job. You know, it's going to have more prestige. You're going to make more money. You're going to get a car allowance, company car, company phone, travel expenses. You know, the large company is going to take a lot better care of you because they have a lot more fucking money and they're not worried about making payroll. You know, when a company is a billion or $2 billion market cap, they're not worried about that shit. Okay. In general, they're the best places to work and pay the best and have the benefit, the best benefits and have the most career security. Okay. The downside is it takes forever to move up and you can pretty much forget about making the C-suite. You know, you're not, you're not going to, it, it is possible in an SME to move up to an executive position from salesman, but you're not going to do that in a large corporation. 
with that said, that shouldn't matter all that much to you guys anyways because you should not be pinning your hopes and dreams on someone else's company. You should be looking to get out and do your own thing. Sales cycles are usually longer in a large company, six months to a few years, and the large companies can usually sustain these cycles because they, they already have a ton of cash. And as I said, they don't have to worry about making payroll. Company culture is going to be a lot more boring and uptight and politically correct because there's always the chance of a lawsuit in a large corporation. People know they can get this huge payday, so large corporations have to have a heavy HR staff and they have to be very strict about um, the kind of behavior that's going on to protect themselves from lawsuits. And most people who work at large corporations are these very neutered, boring, married motherfuckers who make work safe jokes. You know, it's a very boring place to work on average. Now, the sales floor is going to be more rowdy than that, but but the sales floor at a large corporation is still usually going to be more tame than at a small to mid-sized operation. So in general, large large companies are the best places to work. Your salary commission benefits are always going to be higher, almost always going to be higher at a large corporation. Job stability is going to be better. In general, they're going to have a lower turnover rate and there's always, you know, there's less chance of your company going bankrupt. Whereas an SME can go under at any any time, okay? And and you also work farther away from the owner and your so your revenue is not going to make or break the company which means you're going to have a longer leash and you're going to have more ability to hide and slack off, okay? And, you know, at the end of the day, you're in it for yourself, okay? You're a wage slave and, and you're trying to make the conditions as best as possible for yourself. So I would choose the large company if that's possible. You know, if you're coming out of school and you have a BA and you're a nice-looking kid and you dress well, go for the large company because they... They need that university degree, and if you have it, put it to put it to use. That's going to be the only fucking use for your BA, is getting into a large company. If you don't have that, you might have to go work for an SME. But if you can get into start start with a large company, start in our outside sales because it's a lot. It's going to be a lot easier on you than having to work your way up through the SMEs. So now we're going to get into the sales jobs by industry. So you got. Number one, direct sales. Okay, direct sales is is a call center. Usually you're looking at 25 to 75 grand. You're selling like household products or timeshares, requirements, nothing. Anyone can get hired. Um, some some companies that are that are have good direct salesmen are Triton Technologies or 24-7 in touch. This is the highest level of direct sales. So these are guys who who make their living from selling at home. If you're a good salesman, you can you can get hired with one of these companies and sell their products from from your home as long as you can close. Job description is usually, you know, usually selling mid-range products and services to customers. Deals are one-offs, so there's not a lot of customer service. And usually in a call center or as I said, some commission-only companies let, you know, skilled closers telecommute. And they can do this because they're not paying you salary. Number two, capital equipment channel is usually B2B. It's a hybrid or outside sales job. You're looking at 50 grand to 200 grand a year. Uh, usually B2B companies are large, are large corporations. You're selling chemicals or office equipment or industrial supplies, stuff that's expensive, that has a long sales cycle. 
Usually they require you to have a BA. So this is the one place where your university degree is actually going to be useful. And companies that, you know, some examples would be like Canon at selling um, printers or whatnot. And Pitney Bowes, another example, selling office uh, equipment. Generally, you're going to need in-depth knowledge of your product. It's going to be outside sales based on a territory. You're going to have a territory that you cover um, as opposed to going cross-country. And you can make some real dough doing this. Medical guys and dental guys make a lot of money. And you know, and, and a lot of these guys are under 30. You're going to be selling into like um, department heads, heads of hospitals, institutions, branch, branch managers, uh, purchasing managers of large corporations. You're going to be dealing with decision makers and people that have access to a lot of money. This is a great place for you to aim if you're coming straight out of university and, and you can present well because you don't need a lot of, yes, you need expertise on the product, but you can learn all that on the job. You, you usually, you don't need a technical background. For technical background, companies that require that, this is number three here, is, is technical sales, okay? And that's also B2B, it's also hybrid sales or, or outside sales. But you can make more money in technical sales than you can selling capital equipment. So salary you're looking at is like 75 grand to 400 grand plus, like real money. Uh, usually it's a large corporation and this kind of stuff you're selling would be like IT, uh, logistics, aerospace, weapons, software, stuff that you actually need a specialized degree in your field. They don't let just anybody sell this stuff. You need to have the technical and, you know, you know, you need the technical degree, the technical intelligence, and you need the people skills. So that is a rare combination of guy. Uh, that's why they pay so well. If you do have those technical skills, you know, and you've got an IT background or something like that, if you can combine that with personal skills, you can make a shit ton of money. So companies, common companies would be like Boeing, AMD, IBM, Lockheed Martin, and the way your job would look is is it's similar to capital equipment, but you need more formal training and you need to work in collaboration with the tech guys in your company. So basically, they can't just hire any retard off the street to sell IBM mainframes. You got to be a smart motherfucker. Uh, longer sales cycles, and that means you need to be a better relationship salesman. And basically, it pays well because, as I said, You've got the, the combination of people skills and tech skills. A, and one good advantage of, of selling tech is you've got, it's, it's a lot easier to keep your customers because there's so much friction to switch providers. Like if you're selling software or if you're selling like a CRM, it is an absolute pain to switch your company's software. Okay, it's, it's, it's horrendous and it takes, it takes years to do so. If you sell them on this really high friction transition software that is an absolute pain in the ass to change, you're going to have those guys for at least three to five years, even if you're not managing them at the highest level. So that's a big advantage. Number four, insurance. So insurance is one of the rare industries where you can be selling B2C or B2B. And it comes in a variety. It can be inside sales, hybrid sales, outside sales. You can make anywhere from fifty grand to three hundred grand, and you look, and it can be an, an SME or a large corporation. Products and services you're selling would be life and health insurance, automotive, or property and casualty. 
usually for the larger firms, you're gonna you're gonna need a BA. Not always, but you're gonna at least need your industry designation, your insurance industry designation, whatever that is. Some examples are AIG, Allstate, Travelers. These are massive companies. You know, some of the biggest in the world. So they've got an absolute ton of money, but it doesn't always filter down to you. So if you're a personal lines broker, basically it's your job to cold call potential buyers and tap into your family context to get them to buy personal policies, life and health insurance. A lot of the times you might have to start off as a cold caller or an assistant booking meetings for a guy who's already successful. Um, The good thing is as you get more successful, you can have your own cold callers. But the insurance broker, you're not, you're basically a full stop shop, okay? You're gonna be responsible for for building the book from scratch and maintaining your book of business. It's rare where you're gonna come into a job and and take over a book of business, but if you're lucky, that might be possible, but you should aim aim with the realization that you're gonna have to build your book from scratch. Generally, you're gonna be reselling policies or working directly for a major corporation it's different where I was in Canada, and, and it's different. This is this is a, an industry where it's going to be di- very different if, if you're in Australia or the U.S. or Canada, but generally it's the same. You're either going to be selling personal policies like life and health, or you're going to be selling to businesses in property and casualty. In general, you want to get into P&C if you can, because as always, B2B, there's more money. Like if you're selling insurance on office buildings, you know, there's a lot of money to be made in commercial insurance, okay? A lot of money. Those are the guys who do in the, the over $300,000. takes a long time to close those deals, but there's really good money. Um, now, you can be working for a large company, but that's not necessarily. Some of the high-end boutique insurance shops can pay you really well as well. But as always, I would probably... I would probably try and go for the large corporation first. And if you can, get into commercial insurance right out of university. They are looking for good-looking, presentable white kids with a degree. If that's you, then do your best to get into um, commercial insurance. Number five, recruiting. This is usually B2B. Um, You know, technically you're selling to the consumer, but you're also selling to businesses. You're selling, you're recruiting services to businesses and you're trying to bring on clients that are your, that the clients are your services, but you're selling your service to businesses as well. So you're selling both B2B and B2C in some ways. This is usually an inside sales job. Uh, 50,000 to 150,000 is what you can expect to make. These are usually much smaller shops. There are very few large recruiters. Um, that are worldwide, you know, you've got Robert Walters and, and, and Hudson Group, but these are not, these are rare. Usually, usually you're going to be working for a boutique and you're going to be selling either like staffing solutions like temp workers or on the higher end, you're going to be selling executive recruitment. Job description is going to look like this. You're known as a headhunter um, and you get paid on behalf of companies for placing employees with them. Usually you get a percentage of, of an employee's first year salary. So my buddy worked in mining, recruiting in Canada, and he would get, if he placed a successful C-suite candidate, he'd usually get 40 grand on average for that deal. Usually that's how it works. The recruiting agency specializes in, in certain industries. 
like engineering or sales or mining or finance uh, industries that make good money and they, they specifically stick to that particular industry. In general, it's a high call volume industry and you've got two, two different targets to sell. You've got companies that are looking for employees and employees looking for companies. Shitty recruitment firms will take any employee and just like spam blast your resume. Okay, you'll notice this if you're applying for sales jobs. This is what recruiters are going to do, the shitty ones. The good recruitment firm is going to is going to get guys who who whose resume is not on the market. They're going to tap into their contacts of C-suite executives and they're going to be able to poach companies, poach guys who are already working for someone. So the guy who's out of a job is much lower value than the guy who already has a job. Companies would ideally rather hire someone who is already a high-level executive as opposed to someone who got fired and is now looking for a job. Okay, So the best companies are going to be able to pick people off who are already working somewhere else. That's why they're called headhunters. Um, and in general, those are, are going to be the best paying jobs for the, the executive recruitment firms. Number six, financial services. The way this looks is it's either B2B or B2C. It can be inside sales or hybrid. Starting, you can start as low as 40,000 and you can go up to over a million. The best, the best brokers and advisors in, in America make over a million dollars a year. So this has the highest potential of, of any sales job and can run the gambit from small to mid-sized enterprises to large companies. Stuff you're going to be selling, usually financial planning services, commercial currency, investment advice. Again, financial services runs the gambit of low-paying to high-paying to all types of industries and, 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 and products and everything in between. Usually you're going to need a BA, uh, especially for a large company. And a lot of the time you're going to need an industry designation like financial planning or investment advice. And a lot of the time, those are not fly-by-night weekend courses. Those are, those are proper uh, designations that, that, that'll take you a fair amount of time. Some examples are Morgan Stanley, Merrill Lynch, or the giant vampire squid relentlessly jamming its blood funnel into anything that smells like money, also known as Goldman Sachs. Your job is to make a very dirty profession seem reputable, which is to make your client's money yours. Okay, that's all you're doing. You're trying to take as much of your client's money as possible, and you're going to make it seem like you are a reputable, safe place for their money. Whether your client actually makes money or not is irrelevant. It's only it's a bonus if your client makes money because that makes it easier to retain them. But really what you're trained to do, and you can read all the books on Goldman Sachs and Merrill Lynch, you know, they refer to their clients as Muppets because they're when they sell their client on a deal that's not good for them, on some toxic derivative, they think their client is stupid. They're trying to take as much money from their client as possible. And if they make money for them, good, then, then that makes it easier to keep the guy. But really all they care about is making money and making their quarter. All right. They are running on a very short term timeline. In financial sales, the best clients are the ones with the most money and the least intelligence. And to sell financial sales, you're going to be expected to pretend like you know where the market's going. In reality, no one does. So 
if your client was smart, they probably wouldn't be buying your mutual fund or your medium-term bond or toxic derivatives or, you know, any of these other products that you're selling because most of what you're selling is going to be garbage. Since they are investing with you, that means that it's going to be a lot easier to put them into derivatives that they don't understand and volatile stocks and high-fee, low-performing mutual funds. Okay, this is, as you can see, I have very little respect for this industry. You know, it's the only industry in the world where you can get paid for making your client's problem worse. Literally, every industry is designed to solve a problem, but the only industry where you can get paid to not only not solve a problem, but make that problem worse is financial sales. And by that, I mean, you get paid commission on the deal no matter what. So you can lose your client's half of their investment portfolio and still get paid. It's really an amazing industry, but I would caution you against working there because the ethical boundaries that you're going to be expected to cross are going to be so high. Number seven, advertising. Advertising is usually B2C. It's an inside sales or hybrid role. You're looking at about 50 grand to maybe 150, 170 grand, 175 on the top end can be an SME or a large corporation. Some examples of products or services are selling conference sponsorships, print advertising, or digital advertising. Usually you don't need a BA, and uh, you, you could be working for a company like Condé Nast that owns Vogue and all the big magazines, or you know a pretty cool company like Vice. But the main ad sales jobs are in print advertising, like ma magazines and newspapers, although that's not gonna be around much longer, and digital advertising on websites and sponsorship slots at conferences. So basically your job is selling advertising for your publisher to marketing directors of corporations or account executives at media companies. And that's a really weird thing because the account executive at, at the media company is gonna be some 22-year-old retarded girl who can't say a sentence without saying like 15 times and yet she's she's handling the IBM account and you've got to you've got to sell her on why you should get a part of their marketing budget it's a very bizarre industry uh, most ad budgets are booked by the the start of the company's fiscal year so you can expect the majority of the deals to be booked between October and February when I worked in ad sales everyone's going crazy from October till December because they are trying to get in the company's budget for that year and if you don't get in the company's budget for that year a lot of the time that's it you know they'll have some miscellaneous budget left over for like one-offs and shit but if you miss that that could be you know you miss one of your big five companies' budgets because some dumb bitch at the media company doesn't want to buy with you, you're getting fired because you're going to lose 20% of your revenue. That's just how it goes. Usually there's a lot of client management you need to do because clients, you know, they always have a problem with their ad or they complain about why it's not performing. Um, and usually it's not performing is because advertising doesn't work very well, okay? You can buy advertising on a website does not do a whole lot and a lot of the time your job is to tell them why you know you sell them oh they're saying hey we're not getting an increase in sales and you say oh it's it's target you know it's eyeballs it's it's your brand awareness and and all this shit when in reality all that matters is an increase in sales brand awareness doesn't mean shit okay but you know most marketing most marketing managers and stuff like that do not actually understand that and 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 it's a really fucking stupid industry. 
Um, with that said, moving on, real estate, number eight. Real estate can be either B2B or B2C, uh, outside sales or hybrid sales. For B2C, the average real estate agent makes 40 grand, but on the top level, you can be doing like four, 500, maybe in New York, maybe even more. I wouldn't be surprised if some of those guys are doing a million. You can work for a small to mid-sized boutique or a large company, and you're usually selling for B2C, you're selling residential real estate, and B2B, you're selling commercial real estate. Usually, for B2C, you need to be a woman, um, and you need the industry designation. And for B2B, that's usually where guys go. Uh, some big companies are Remax or Royal LePage. For residential real estate, your job is to sell homes on behalf of the seller and take a commission on the deal. There are some buyer's agents, but they are relatively rare. You want to get the seller to price the home at market value or below to get a quicker commission. And that's that's usually a bit difficult because most people don't don't want to cut prices quickly. They want to you know, get the highest price possible and they're willing to wait a year for it, but you want to get your commissions as quick as possible on average and, and, and get them to cut the price so that you can get paid. In a hot market, you can make tons of cash, but in a slow market, you'll struggle and it's a cyclical industry. For commercial industry, or for commercial real estate, sorry, you're selling on behalf of businesses and you can make really good money. You can make like 300, 400 grand on a deal, but sometimes you have to make, you have to wait like a year or two for that to close. Uh, and the good thing is though, real estate is something that you can go out on your own, right? For At least for personal real estate. For commercial, you probably can't unless you have access to a ton of cash, but Personal real estate is something that you can learn. You can learn the game and then go out and do your own service-based business, which is what I would recommend. Number nine is pharmaceutical sales. This is the last industry here. It's B2B, outside sales. You're looking at about 75 grand to start to 300 grand. It's a large company. What you're selling is prescription drugs. You know, some examples are Merck and Pfizer, some of the biggest companies in the world. Usually these the requirements are a BA and being a hot girl because most drug reps are hot girls because they're selling to doctors who are guys and doctors want to talk to a hot young girl. And But these girls make real dough. Um, of course, there's a lot of guys doing pharma sales. If you want to see a good ex- example of how this looks, check out the movie Love and Other Drugs with Jake Gyllenhaal. Unfortunately, you have to sit through a Jake Gyllenhaal movie, but he's a pharma rep who's selling um, Viagra just as Viagra came out. And you'll see how that industry looks. But there's a lot of money to be made in that industry. Generally, you're selling to sales, to uh, doctor's offices and department heads of hospital. And similar to medical devices, but there's less closing and and is needed because drugs are less intrusive and they're less expensive up front. So selling pharma is a lot like selling medical or dental, but it's not as cost heavy up front as it would um, selling, you know, a, a new dentistry machine. So, in generally, it's thought of as a bit easier than medical dental. And that's that, guys. So that's the wrap up for part one. I want you to, you know, have feel free to check out the article because there's a lot to digest. And stay tuned for part two, where I'm going to break down for you what life and sales is like. As always, I want to thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for reading the article, and I wish you all the best.